Welcome, NASPO Pulse. This is the podcast where we are monitoring issues in state procurement. We've got our finger on that pulse. I'm your host, Kevin Miner. Episode lucky number 13. 13 pulses. That's not too shabby, if I do say so myself. So what are we doing? We're gearing up for our 2020 annual conference. It promises to be a pretty exciting time. It's our first hybrid conference. It's part virtual, part in-person. So we're looking forward to those attending, whether you're coming into Lexington, Kentucky, or you're experiencing it over the web. It's anything like our virtual reach conference that we had in July. It is bound to be a good time. Speaking of great conferences, we got another good one for you today, folks. I'm talking with, hold on to your hats, international keynote speaker, author, student affairs professional, boat aficionado, and the 2020 NASPO annual conference keynote speaker, Dr. Kevin Snyder. We discuss reorganizing the thought process amidst uncertainty, and Dr. Snyder gives us a sneak peek into what he'll be talking about during our annual conference on the 15th. That's September. Really interesting guy. Got a lot of great experiences, a lot of great stories. Great to listen to. I guess that's why he's a professional speaker. It makes sense, actually. You got to check out his website. I'll put that up in the show notes for you. But you know what to do. Take that pulse. Dr. Snyder, thank you so much for joining me today on The Pulse. It is an honor to be with you. Dr. Snyder is a professional motivational speaker who speaks to multiple organizations all over the world. So, Dr. Snyder... You give us uh, just a little bit of a background of how did you get into the field of uh, uh, professional motivation? Yeah, you know, I think in life, passions are cyclical, and that's why it's important to pursue those or at least keep the door open because you never know what might happen in life. Absolutely. Um, but for, for me growing up as a teenager, I, I struggled. Um, and long story short, I, I battled a lot of mental health issues. And so when I got to college, I kept my bags packed. I, I never thought I'd make it. And in my first year of college, I went to the University of North Carolina at Wilmington, and my major was marine biology. You know, so marine biology to motivational speaker, you know, how in the world? <laughs> well, that first year was real tough for me. Uh, I had a bad roommate situation. I was in a long mm-hmm. distance relationship. I didn't feel a connection. I uh, didn't have many friends. And I tried dropping out numerous times. Right. And every time I tried to drop out of school, I had to go to the dean of students office with this withdrawal, withdrawal form. And every single time I did, he looked at me and he said, Kevin, there's something about you that will make me regret signing this. Will you just give us another few more weeks? And that dean of students who believed in me, every time I saw him just planted this new seed of hope kind of in me. And, and I know, you know his job was to kind of keep me in school. But I remember my, my sophomore year going back to college and just wanting to give it a second chance and mm-hmm. say, look, you know. I either got to make it or I'm, I'm done. Right. And, um, so I went back that saw that second year and things completely were different for me. And in mm-hmm. college for me, it was like a transformational experience. I went from near dropout right. to, to homecoming King and was like Mr. Engaged, you know, on campus. Mm-hmm. And as a senior, I was working for admissions, giving a campus tour. And I just said one day to myself, leading about a hundred people, you know, about, you know, should they come to UNCW? I just, it hit me like a lightning bolt. And I said, I want to work in student affairs. 
I want to be a dean of students so I can help other struggling kids like me. And so that's really what guided my whole pursuit of, of working in student affairs. And that's what I did. So I went back, got my master's degree in higher ed at University of South Carolina. I worked at University of Central Florida. I worked at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And then I became, wow. <laughs> I became a dean of students at High Point University, which was an absolute dream. And I was a young dean. You know, I was a young dean. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I um, learned a lot in, in a short period of time. But along that whole pursuit of me pursuing my, my, what I felt was my destiny to become a dean of students and be a top advocate uh, for, for students at college campuses, I started speaking for fun just on the side. You know, right. doing fun little workshops for, kid, for students. And, and um, gosh, first time I ever got paid is because somebody asked me what my fee mm-hmm. was. And I'm like, you get paid doing this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? People do this for work? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 so when I would go and speak at, con- or I'm sorry, when I would go attend conferences for my job, I usually would right. go actually, you know, also present like a, a breakout session on leadership, mm-hmm. or on, on motivation or something like that. And, and I did it for fun. I didn't even really enjoy it. I just did it because I felt like, I felt like something was there. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the more you do anything, the better you get, you know, and um, repetition is the mother of skill. So over a period of years, I started developing this craft for, for speaking that I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time. And here I was in my mid thirties. I had my dream job as a Dean of students. I just published my first book. I, I was a Dean of students. And then about two years into that, I resigned because I said, I really feel like speaking is, is calling me. And, wow. um, and it, it wasn't an easy decision, but it was something that I felt uh, that I needed to pay more attention to. And so I, I resigned that job and I've never looked back. There's, I, I feel like there's always that one catalyst, right? That one person in everybody's past that you can point to and kind of say, this is how I got to where I am. So that's that person for you. Yeah. You know, and just recently that person passed away and they were on the cover of the UNCW magazine and looking back, they touched so many students. Like I have spine tingles right now, just thinking about this person because the amount of people that they, that they influenced and touched and changed their lives. I mean, I'm just a pebble. I'm just one person, but I felt like, you know, speaking became that platform for me where I, I could, I could become the Dean of students in a different way. I could still inspire and, and, and share content, not just with students, but also now with professionals. Yeah. So yeah. I look at what I do now is absolutely just as important, if not more, than what I was doing before at one campus. So would you say that that experience, your college experience, has truly influenced um, what, you, what you speak about now, too, right? And, and what the content in your books Absolutely. You know, in, in my doctorate degree, when I, when I did research for my, my doctorate, it, the framework that I looked at, at student success was self-efficacy, which mm-hmm. is basically your belief system and whether you believe that you will achieve desired goals or not. And the research participants that I, that I focused on that were in my study, 100% of them graduated college who had the highest levels of self-efficacy. And guess what happened to the students that, that didn't have high levels of self-efficacy and high levels of belief in themselves? Those are the ones that I unfortunately would lose track of because they would drop right. out. Right. And so, and so I, I think all of us, you know, no matter what role or what position you have and, and you know, whoever might be listening to this, all of us have to be self-motivated to do what we do. Right. And, and just like a skill set, it's, you know, it's a muscle 
And we have to work that muscle. Um, positive thinking isn't something that comes naturally for most people. It's very difficult to do. And yeah. when you're amidst adversity, it's extremely important that you have kind of that, that foundation mm-hmm. to not just motivate yourself, but also motivate others. Because if you're in a leadership role, and we could talk about this a little bit later, but if you're in a leadership role, look, that's, that's a requirement that you influence yeah. other people. So you have to also be thinking not just of yourself, but also you have to think of other people because as much as energy is contagious, so is influence. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's almost natural sometimes for us to battle those thoughts, right? To go against. absolutely. You know, and one of the things I talk about up front in any presentation I do is um, I let my audiences know, hey, everything I share with you today I struggle with myself at times because mm-hmm. I want them to know that this isn't just, Hey, I'm, I'm not like Mr. Motivation boy. And I'm telling you hey, like, Oh, Mr. Happy, <laughs> like, no way. I mean, there's some times my wife gives me a copy of my own book and was like, you need to read chapter two today. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. But, but I, but here's the difference. I'm aware of when I need to work on it. Right. Like I'm aware of when I have these internal uh, beliefs or what I call this internal head trash that will yeah. only limit me. And, and I still have it sometimes. I mean, anytime of I'm course. doing something new or heck here, you and I are, we're doing a, a podcast amidst the pandemic five months ago. I didn't even have a virtual studio. I didn't ha- I didn't even understand right. how to set one up. And now I'm rocking and rolling with it. It's the, one of the biggest learning curves of my whole life. And I've pushed through. So I think we all need to be, you know, I'm kind of digressing here, but I, I think we all find those we're in the, or at least we're in those moments where we're really being tried and tested. And I think that's when leadership and really being motivated is, is the most important. The pandemic, how has it affected motivation of organizations and people that you speak with? No, I, absolutely. You know, a lot of my speaking engagements are coming back now. Right. Um, and I've, I've, I've done the best I can to keep in touch, you know, with friends who are in, in the workforce and, mm-hmm. um, and folks in, in, that, that I was talking with about speaking. So I think a lot of us, the past couple months have been just trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, what the heck are we going to do? How yeah. bad is this really going to be? And stay positive, right? Exactly. And, and here you, you know, you and I were talking kind of late August schools are just back in session, whether they're virtually or in person or a right. hybrid um, colleges as well. How can we still move forward? Right. Right. That's the key. I think right there is how can we still just move forward? And, um, and that's, I think where a lot of organizations, they really thrive is because they have this forward thinking mindset rather than a reactionary mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in procurement, I know for our membership and, and those in procurement, um, you, you almost have to be have that forward thinking because if you're reactionary and, the, and something's already happened like a pandemic, uh, then you're 20 steps behind if you're reacting. Absolutely. And I, and I think if, and now for a lot of organizations, this is an opportunity to differentiate. This is an opportunity yeah. to do things that can actually help you stand out uh, and, and, and actually grow as a result. Um, I mean, you know, before pandemic, people always talked about change and change this and and, right. and what I would say to my audience is, is that, look, you know, change is this assumption that, you know, we all, we, no, nobody wants to change. Well, you can change without growth, but you can't grow without change. 
I like so, that. Yeah. So as a leader, you know, if somebody's in charge, whether it's a department or an organization or even just a small team or whether you're part of that team, I mean, gosh, in order to grow, you're going to have to have some type of change as a result. So, you know, let's replace, let's get rid of the word change and replace it with growth because that's what people really want to follow. Who wouldn't want right. to grow? Change is more taboo than growth. Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly. And, and there are, I'll share these more in the keynote, but there's two other words or phrases that we're using now more in 2020 than ever before. And I believe that they're the two most destructive words that we could possibly use, yet we use them almost daily. Uh, but they mean the exact opposite. So, really? um, I mean, I could give you one of them if you want. But yeah, yeah. Give, <laughs> give us one. Give us one. Okay, well, I'll give you one. So the word pivot. And okay. look, I grew up in, I grew up in Durham, North Carolina. I'm a big college basketball fan. If you think of what pivot actually means, you know, and let me give you an analogy for basketball is, you know, you have the ball in your hand and then you put your foot on the ground and then you do what you move around in move. circles. Right. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's a, I, I get the people trying to use it in a way that, Oh, well, we're supposed to shift or we're supposed to adapt. Yeah. But you do that moving forward, not in circles. So I think you know, people are using the word because a lot of, because other people are saying it, but so many times it's like we, we say things and we do things that are actually destructive without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And that's just a simple example. So what I always encourage, it's like the word, you know, growth versus change. Let's right. get rid of the word change. Let's just talk about growth. Well, right. Let's not talk about the word pivot. Let's get that out of the dictionary or out of our, our vernacular, so to speak. Right. And let's replace it with the word transform. Okay. Or shift. How do we shift? Right. Cause we always want to be moving forward. And that's, that's what my keynote's all about is how to become a shift thinker and not just amidst the pandemic, but how do we do that in good times as well? Because look, you know, for people that are in the procurement profession, which is most people listening to this right at the best of times, procurement is very complex. So yes, now we're in the, one of the most disruptive times of a generation. Gosh, how, how do we do this now? It's, I mean, the game has literally changed and it's always changing. So, so you're saying perhaps think of it in a transformation or shifting rather than pivoting where you can only move one foot and you're going in a circle. Exactly. I mean, that's really what pivoting is all about. I mean, in basketball, right. you're supposed to pivot to then shoot the ball, but still you're, you're typically you're, you're, you could go around in circles and not make any progress. Right. Um, and, and I think when we look at extraordinary organizations and also achievements of just ordinary people that did things well and became extraordinary. That's kind of a common factor, at least from what I've seen is, is they kind of look at things a little differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one one of the quotes that I love is, is this, and and we're amidst it right now, but you know, adversity does not define us. It reveals us. Who said that? uh, Well, I said it. So, (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a great quote. That's a great quote. (laughs) I know. I love it. <laughs> that's a quote that I share in my audience. I say, you know, hey, write this down. Adversity doesn't define us; it actually reveals us. But when it's most required is when it's most difficult. So I know during your keynote, I know you'll be dropping those experiences that you have, and and really giving our membership, the listeners, those nuggets of ways that they can improve uh, whatever position they may be, mid level management. Your keynote is called "Becoming a Shift Thinker: Leadership Amidst Uncertainty." 
Would you be willing to discuss some of your keynote? Maybe just just give us uh, a little bit of it that what you're going to be discussing on the 15th. Don't give it all away for us, but just give give our folks a glimpse into your presentation. No, absolutely. I'm really excited about about this opportunity to to share this new keynote that I've designed over the past couple months amidst this pandemic, because I was asking myself, you know, things are so upside down right now that I have to be so relevant, right? I, I've got to, I've got to provide, and, and, and I've been listening, I've been researching, I've been right. um, to, collecting information about how how are some organizations actually. Uh, you know, moving forward, despite, despite these changes. And a lot of it has to, has, it, it begins really with their, with their team, with their employees right. and, and with themselves. So the number one determinant of success, I believe is, is how we think, right? I mean, that's, we all have to be self-motivated to do what we do. The number one determinant of success for an organization is its people. Yes. So, you know, you know, processes and policies and, and all the, you know, all the things that go into what we do are extremely important, but, but who are the people that design those, right? Absolutely. Who are the people that actually carry those out and facilitate those? So I think it's really important to, to kind of marching forward in order to grow forward. We have to really be mindful of how are we, how are we shifting our thinking to accomplish that? So you presented for quite a range of audiences, both public and private sector. From your experiences, working with those groups, what kind of common challenges, what kind of themes do you see that these organizations face? Right. Well, you know, there's, there's not a one size fits all because I do feel like every organization is, is unique and where they might be, you know, is unique. Yeah. But I do feel that some of the challenges that a lot of uh, organizations share with me, and this this actually comes a lot from my work with the Center for Creative Leadership too, where these high level executives would come on site for a two or three day event, and part of it was a three sixty degree assessment that they'd have to complete, uh, or that others would complete of them, and they would see those results at this on site event. And not to give too much away about what we would do at CCL, but many of these leaders that held high level executive positions. Yes, they, they got results, but as much as they drove results, they're also driving employees away. <laughs> and I think what's important about that is, yes, we need to be process-oriented. We need to be performance-driven, but it's, again, it's the people that, that make that happen, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how do we create a culture, like a high-performing culture where people, they don't, they don't um, have to go to work. They, they get to go to work, right? They, they see what they do. It's more purpose uh, it's more pur- purpose focused, you know, they, they get excited about it and they know that in any role that they might have, they can make a difference. So I think the challenge is a lot of organizations struggle with that. Or, um, I mean, there, another study from Society for Human Resource Management, which is SHRM, self-reported 76% of employees are unhappy to miserable in their daily job. Yeah. Now, when I first saw that, that statistic, I thought, I mean, that seems kind of high. Yeah, like it makes for long were, days. It's like, oh my, well, you know what? And then when I ask my audience, is how many of you have ever had a job? <laughs> Love, raise your hand, right? And I, I get, you know, get I'll raise mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm raising mine. <laughs> and, and they kind of smile at it. And I say, now, how many of you know somebody, air quote, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who's ever had a job that they hated? Yeah. And guess how many hands go up? Every single one. 
And then I, I ask him, I was like, all right, now look around, pause, look around. And if you see someone with their hand not up, check their pulse. I think if we're the, if we're part, you know, the challenge is if we're not the person in that leadership role, I think leaders need to be aware of that reality so they can do their part to provide as much of a, um, you know, a, uh, a culture. It's really about culture right. that inspires people yeah. to do more. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was, um, on another podcast episode, I was talking to a, a professor at a college, local college here, and he was saying that the role of leadership is really to manage your people and make sure that they can do the best job that they that they can do, right? And you deal with all of the gobbledygook at the top so that your workers, so that your team can do the job that they're supposed to do. And I think that's kind of the point you're making. Absolutely. I, I was on a uh, webinar with the CEO of a international hotel chain, and he was asked a very similar question. Uh, I, was, I was on this panel with him. He was asked this question. His answer to this, this question that you asked me was, number one thing that, that's most important for him and his role is to listen. Yeah. And he explained yeah. it about listening. You know, that's where you get input. That's where you, that's where you make people feel important. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're asking those questions, uh, you're making them feel like they matter. You're invested, uh, yeah, exactly. And 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 he's like, you know, I, I can't do all their jobs. That's impossible. So, right, you know, leadership is really about influence, not management. Um, and and yeah. one of the things I love when what I say about so spoiler alert, people will hear this in my keynote, but leadership, it's 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 one of those misconceptions. Leadership is not a noun; it's a verb. It's what we huh. do. I like that. So, you know, we have to be real mindful of, of what we think the true role of a leader is. And, and you're right. Um, much of leadership is about how we influence others in a positive way. Yeah. We can definitely drive results, but we don't want to drive our people away to accomplish them. Well, before we go, do you have any advice for our listeners? Besides, come listen to you at the keynote or the 2020 annual conference, of course. Wow. Um, you know, find what are the things, because um, a lot of us are working from home, you know, what have a routine in the morning before the world wakes up, um, do things for you in, in the morning to kind of set the right tone. Like for me, for example, I go out, I feed my chickens, I feed my koi fish, and I sit outside with a cup of coffee for about the first 15 to 20 minutes. And just, I listen to my, my waterfall. And, and I don't live in any kind of different neighborhood than most people. I mean, it's a normal house. We just right. build a koi pond. and Sounds very and, serene. Yeah, and, and that's, that's how I start my day. And so I think no matter what I have coming up, it's like, hey, this is my moment. This is for me. Um, but I also try to surround myself with just some positive inputs throughout the day, uh, making time to read. Um, and I'll tell you, one, one big thing, I'll, I'll leave it at this, would be one big piece of advice for anybody would be have something every single day that you can look forward to. You know, even if it's watching a rerun of The Bachelor or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. watching. So it doesn't have to be a big thing, just something small. It, it could be something so, so tiny. Um, you know, having a, a bowl of popcorn with your partner, spouse. I mean, just something. That way, no matter what you're going through throughout the day, you can have that one thing that you can look forward to no matter what. Dr. Snyder, professional motivational speaker. Thank you so much for joining me on The Pulse today. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Oh, it's been a pleasure for me as well and look forward to connecting with folks. 
So shift thinking, avoiding head trash, and being motivated is perhaps more crucial right now than it ever has been. Use this as an opportunity, I think is what he's saying, to make your office stand out. I know we've spent a lot of time this season talking about this, but pushing that innovation, standing out, achieving that buy-in is critical, especially in a time like this. Email us your questions, thoughts, comments, answers. We would love to hear from you. Podcast at naspo.org. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to check out our blog, pulse.naspo.org, and catch up on some procurement articles written by your very own NASPO staff. I'm Kevin Miner. Until next time. <laughs>